Okay, Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Uh, today's year, we're going to be taking a break from the laws of Orachaim and Hilchot uh, Tfilah, and uh, we are moving to, for two, one or two shirim, we're going to be focusing on the laws of Shemitah. Uh, for those who are listening that are not in Eretz Israel, these laws generally don't apply outside of Israel. However, um, perhaps it's a way of connecting uh, through this year to what's going on uh, in Eretz Israel and having your connection to the mitzvot of Shemitah. So in today's year, I want to focus on two major topics. The first topic is, is Shemitah today, when I say today, in this year and in our era, is it a mitzvah mina Torah or is it only a rabbinic mitzvah? So we're going to understand the machloket between the Rishonim and the Achronim regarding that debate. Uh, the second topic, if we, however much we, we, we get to, we'll start discussing what actual melachot, what actual uh, acts of work are prohibited regarding the land. So let's begin. We're going to be jumping around. We're not going to go exactly according to the order of the book, <clears throat> but I'm going to be going from one page to another in the Schmitter book. For those of you who don't have it, you're able to order it it's on Amazon <clears throat> and you can order it there. Or if you're living in Israel, you can order it from the Mizrahi offices. The Torah in three separate places mentions the mitzvah of Shemitah. <clears throat> the first is in Shmot, Chaf Gimel. The Torah says, For six years, you shall sow the land and gather the produce, the hashmiti, the hashviit, and the seventh year, tishmetena untashta. You shall release it and also abandon it. What does that mean? The achlu evyoneamecha. The poor people shall be able to eat from the land. The yitram and the leftover produce, tochal chayat the animals of the field shall be able to eat. This shall be done both for your vineyards and for your olive trees. That's the first source in Shmot Chavkimel. Again, in Shmot Lamed Daled, Six days you shall work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. And what's that referring to the resting? regarding plowing and regarding harvesting. Now, this pasuk seems to be talking about days, but as we'll see, it's actually machloket tanaim, that whether this pasuk is, when it refers to a day, is it referring to the actual days of the week, or is it referring to the years, and it's referring to the Shemitah year. A third source, uh, and, and probably the most expensive source that we have, is in Sefer Vayikra. There the Torah tells us, When you come to the land, referring to the land of Israel, The land shall rest for a Shabbat to Hashem. Continues the Psukim. For six years you shall sow the land, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard, and you shall gather the produce. But on the seventh year, 
It shall be a Sabbath for the land, Shabbat Hashem, a Sabbath for the for, for God. And here the Torah says explicitly, your field you shall not sow, the karmachalot is more, and your vineyard you shall not prune. Uh, and then it continues, the, the aftergrowth of the, you're not allowed to reap, that in vain, and your vines, you are not allowed to <clears throat> pick. And again, and this resting will be for you, for eating, for all the people uh, amongst you, your workers, the, um, your, your, your servants, etc. And also for your animals. So seemingly, once we've read all these psukim, it seems very simple. The mitzvah of Shemitah seems to be a Torah obligation. Once we enter the land, we are now obligated in the Shemitah year. And as, as we'll go through in the second half of the year, what exactly are you not allowed to do? But here from the Psukim, it seems quite clearly that sowing the land is a problem. Pruning is a problem. Harvesting is a problem. So it seems that there's, what, what exactly is the question? Why would, they, why would I have a Havamina? Why would I think that it might only be rabbinical and not a Torah vi uh, violation. So let, let's see. Um, I'm going to skip the laws of the Machshava here. And for those of you who have the safer, I'm going to go to page 30. The page, sorry, page 30 over here. And we're going to start with two major reasons why it is not it might not be a, a, a Torah obligation today. The first, we're going to break it into the opinion of the Rambam and the opinion of the rest of the Rishonim. The first is, the let's try and understand the opinion of the Rambam. If we go back to our Pasuk in Vayikra, when you come into the land, then you shall have, then the obligation of Shemitah begins. The Rambam, in Hilchat Shemitah tells us, First of all, it only applies in Eretz Yisrael. That's, again, explicit from the Psukim that we saw before. Shenemar, as it says, when you come into the land. And it applies whether there is a Beit HaMikdash or there isn't a Beit HaMikdash. Why is that? Simple, the Gemara, the Psukim, never connected it to the Beit HaMikdash. So why would I think that because we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, we don't have the mitzvah of Shemitah? Nevertheless, it gets a bit more complicated. Why? The Rambam in Hilchot Shumot says as follows. Kol ziku mitzrayim when the people came out of Egypt and they came into Eretz Israel, they sanctified the land of Israel. That's called Kedusha Rishona. Kevan Shegalu. But once they went into exile, right, for at the end of the second of the first Beit Hamikdash, 
in the time of Nebuchadnezzar and the uh, Babylonian exile, the Kedusha, the sanctification of the land became nullified. How did the land of Israel become sanctified in the beginning when Yeshua ben Nun came in? Through conquering it. And therefore, says the Rambam, this is based on Gemarot and, 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 and many discussions, but the Rambam is summarizing it for us. The first conquest of the land, which was done through war, through conquest, was sanctified the land, but since it was done through conquest, when we were conquered in the times of the Babylonian exile, the sanctification evaporated. Kidusha, Kidusha Shnia, sorry, However, when Ezra HaSofer comes after 70 years of the Babylonian exile and they gathered or they took hold of part of Eretz Israel, it's important to note, Ezra, when he returned to the land, did not uh, um, get all the places that Yeshua ben Nun had conquered. It was a smaller area. However, when they came, they did not fight. There was no kibush. There was no conquest. There was no war. What was it? The land was barren. And therefore, when Ezra came, hichziku. Hichziku literally means uh, what we would call today, basically settling. They settled a land that was unsettled. When they settled that land, kiddushuak tushashniya, this second sanctification, which took place through settling of the land, takes is never nullified, says the Rambam, even for future generations, even after the Romans are going to expel us, after the second Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, the, the Kedusha, the sanctification that was sanctified by Ezra remains. And then he says, He says that the people coming up with Ezra did not expand and cover all the places that the people from uh, Egypt, i.e. when Amishol came out of Egypt, did. That last sentence is, is, uh, is, is a bit... Um, it's, it's a bit ambiguous. The, the, the wording, it, it could be that the girsa is wrong. So I don't even want to translate it at this stage. What, for, for our purposes, what we want to focus from the, the Rambam in Hilchot Chumot is the Rambam explains to us that there were two types of sanctifications of the land of Eretz Israel. The first sanctification included the vast majority of what we call today Medinat Israel, and that was sanctified by through conquest, but when we were conquered, it became nullified. The second Kedusha was came through settling the land through Ezra Sofer, but that was limited to a certain area in what we would call today Medinat Israel. But that Kedusha re remains for all generations. A third din that the Rambam tells us. And that is in the laws that he brings down regarding Beit HaMikdash, what we are called today, the Temple Mount. 
ולמה אני אומר במקדש בירושלים קדושה ראשונה קידשה לעתיד לבוא? Why is it that the sanctification of the temple in Jerusalem, which was sanctified through Yoshua in the first conquest, is retained even after the conquest we were conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians? But regarding the rest of Eretz Yisrael, for example, regarding the laws of Shemitah, says the Rambam, it was nullified, explains the Rambam the distinction. Jerusalem and the Beit HaMikdash, what we call today the Temple Mount, the Kedusha is because of the Shechina, and because the Shechina rests there, the Shechina be'enabatela, the sanctity of God's presence can never be nullified, as the verse in Vayikra says, I will make barren your holy sites. And the sages says, even though they are barren, they are destroyed, they still, the pastor calls them Mikdashechem, they still considered sanctified. Continues the Rambam. But regarding the rest of the land of Israel, specifically the Rambam points out, Shemitah and the Taz, Chuma and Maser, was only instituted, i.e., the Torah obligation only came into effect because of the conquest of the, of the masses, i.e. when it was a communal, a national conquering of the land through Yoshua Binun, and since it was removed from us, so the sanctity became nullified. And therefore, it became uh, uh, the, the obligation, the Torah obligation of Shemitah dissipated. Because it's not from Eretz Yisrael inherently, but rather from this conquest. However, now came along Ezra and the second Beit HaMikdash and sanctified the land. Here he sanctified it with settling of the land, and therefore he says, says the Rambam, and this is critical for us today, any place where the Jews coming from Babylon settled the land, became sanctified with the second sanctification, and it remains in its sanctity even today. Even though the land was taken from us. And we are obligated, therefore, in Shemitah and Maser. According to what we've seen from now, uh, up until this point, it seems to be quite clear, black and white, that Shemitah is obligatory on a Torah level. That seems to be pretty simple, straightforward. It is true 
that certain areas in Eretz Israel might not fit into this category. Okay, so we can discuss that. Please, God, maybe in a later share, we'll discuss what, where exactly is the border, and that's a big discussion. Is it uh, just below, uh, let's call it Beersheba, and, and below? Is it uh, even lower? Does it only exclude Eilat? What? That's a whole discussion that Bezrat Hashem we will get to. But clearly, according to the Rambam, at least up until now, it's a Torah obligation, the mitzvah of Shemitah, that we have to let the land rest. And therefore, Lichora, there's a Torah violation of working the land. However, we're not finished yet. Why? Because there seems to be a third condition. So the first condition that it's only in Eretz Yisrael, and it's the second condition is that it had to be from, uh, it had to be in the place where the Ezra came with the people from Babel and settled the land. But now says the Rav Chaim, says Rav Chaim the following idea, Rav Chaim of Bris. We haven't seen this in the Rambam, but we'll quote it uh, directly from, uh, he's quoting directly from the Rambam in that's a bombshell. Says the Rambam, Truma in the times of even Ezra Hasofer, in the places where he settled the land, is only rabbinic. Why? Okay, but Ezra was living in Eretz Yisrael. And here comes the third condition of the Rambam. Shekol Yisrael Sham. That all of the Jewish people are in the land. Shenemar, as he quotes, Kitavo, when you come into the land, Biat Kulchem. It sounds like all of the people need to be there. Ad Kan That is a quote of the Rambam in Hilchot Shumot. Now, the Rambam added over here a condition that we hadn't seen before. And that is, in order for one to be obligated from the Torah in Truma, Truma the majority of, well, he says all of Am Israel, but let's assume that according to most understandings of the Rambam is that even the majority would obligate us on the Torah obligation regarding Truma and Mahzeh. Now, how does that relate to Shemitah? That's in Hilchot, Truma and Maser. What's that going to do with Shemitah? Now, the problem is, the Rambam says, what, how do I know that the majority of Am Yisrael, all of Am Yisrael have to be in Eretz Yisrael in order for it to, for it to be a Torah obligation? Because the Pasuk says, Ki el Now, that Pasuk, what was it referring to? Where do we see that Pasuk? Not regarding Truma and Maser. That Pasuk was mentioned regarding Shemitah. What's going on? How did the Rambam tell us that Truma is only the orator when all of Am Yisrael are there? And he quotes a Pasuk from the laws of Shemitah. And this is the difficulty. Says Rav Chaim of Brisk, 
It's not mentioned anywhere in the Torah, this Pasuk Kitavo regarding the laws of Tats. And here says Rav Chaim of Bris, that the Rambam learned that the laws of Truma and the laws of Shmita are one and the same. And therefore, if the Pasuk Kitavo is written regarding Shemitah, it applies regarding Truma as well. And therefore, it says, Rav Chaim of Bris, if that's the case, regarding Shemitah, the Rambam also would say that you need Biat Kulchem. That's a bit strange why the Rambam didn't write it in Hilchot Shemitah V'yobel, but the Rambam sometimes does that. The Rambam assumes that you're going to learn his one safer and you'll be able to think and, and cross-reference and you put two and two together. And that's what the Rav Chaim of Brisk says. Since Trumot and Masroth are dependent on Shemitah, and it is certain, need the majority or the, the, the simple reading of the Rambam is need all of Am Yisrael to be there, the data Rambam. Right? And that seems to be that that is a simple, at least Rav Chaim of Brisk. And the truth is, that is the simple reading of the Rambam according to the majority of Rishonim and Achronim. That according to the Rambam, it sounds like that Truma, uh, that, sorry, Shemitah in today's time is the Rabbanan. And why is it the Rabbanan? Because the majority of Am Israel are not in Israel. Now, what's important to point out is that the Rambam never said that explicitly. The Rambam said this condition of all of Am Israel being in Eretz Israel regarding Truma, and we have put two and two together. However, the Kesef Mishnah of Yosef Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, did not connect necessarily the laws of Truma and the laws of Shemitah. And he seems to understand that according to the Rambam's opinion, Shemitah in today's time is actually the orator. So it's an important opinion to, to know that there is, there are, it's a minority opinion, but there's a minority opinion who understand within the Rambam that Shemitah today is the orator. Okay, so if we want to say, why is Shemitah today possibly the Rabbanan? According to the Shitta of the Rambam, it's because we need three conditions. We need it to be in Eretz Israel. Okay, we have that. We need it to be in a place where the people, the, the, the followers of Ezra settled the land. That definitely is the majority of Israel. But we also need all of Israel, or how most people explain the Rambam, the majority of the people of Israel to be in Eretz Israel. And that, since we don't have that, it's only rabbinical. Now, according to the, uh, and again, we said the Kesef Mishnah doesn't hold that that's the opinion of the Rambam, but let's say that this is the majority understanding of the Rambam. According to this opinion, let's say Bezrat Hashem in seven years time, it's very, very likely that the majority of the Jewish people, we're, we're I think we're somewhere around 43%, 44% of the Jewish people are already in Eretz Yisrael. It could be that once we, in another seven years' time, 
will have the majority of the people living in Eretz Yisrael. And at least according to the Rambam, as we've seen up until now, that would turn Shemitah, even according to the Rambam, into a Din Doraita. However, Rav Chaim of Brisk, and that is, by the way, the opinion of Rav Zalman Meltzer, Rav Zalman Meltzer in his Sefer Evan Ezel says that according to the Rambam, as soon as there is a majority of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael, which very much, according to some opinions, maybe it's even today, but let's assume it's not today, let's assume in seven years time it's going to be that, Shemitah would then uh, apply Midoraita. However, Rav Chaim of Brisk argues, Rav Chaim of Brisk says, that the Rambam, it's not good enough that you have the majority of Jews living. You have to have the majority of Jews coming to Israel together, meaning the wave of Aliyah, which started approximately 150 years ago, has continued year by year. But there wasn't a single wave where the Jews came together, such as in the time of uh, Yoshua ben Nun. And in the time of Ezra, in the time of Ezra, there wasn't a wave of the majority of the Jews coming. There were only 42,000. And that's why it's only rabbinic, says Rav Chaim of Brisk. So according to Rav Chaim of Brisk, even if we were to get to a majority of Jews, the Rambam would still not hold that it's a din the right, it's only a din the Rabbana. So we've got three opinions within the Rambam. The Kesef Mishnah holds that according to the Rambam already today, it's the right. The Rav Issel Zalman Meltzer says, as soon as we get to majority of Jews, according to the Rambam, it's going to be a Dindoraita. Rav Chaim of Brisk says, even if we get to majority of Jews, it's not going to help because we, we, we didn't all come together. And he says another condition that you actually have to have a bait in that uh, announces this. Thing. That is all the opinion of the Rambam. However, the Rambam is actually not the majority opinion. The majority of the opinion of the Rishonim hold that it's rabbinic for another reason altogether. And let's see what that is based on. This is based on a Gemara in Masechet Erchit. The Gemara in Masechet Erchit in Daflamet Bet says as follows. The Tanya, Mishegalu Shevet Ruvein Veshevet Gad Vechatsi Shevet Amenashet. In the times already when, uh, in the, already in the Tanakh, Right? When uh, already in the, the Malchut Yisrael, we have certain times uh, that Reuven and the tribe of God and Chatzim Menashe right, were exiled. So therefore, Batlu Yovalot Shenemar, the, the Yovel year became nullified. Why? Because the Pasuk says, Ukratem Dror Ba'aret Lechol Yoshvea. And you shall call a uh, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of the inhabitants. What does it mean, all of the inhabitants? So you need to have all of the Jewish tribes, the Jewish people there, and not when some of them are missing. And the Gemara continues. What is if all the Jews are there? All 12 tribes. However, they mixed in, mixed up. The tribe of Binyamin is in the tribe of Yehuda, etc., etc. Yehoyovel Mohe, you might think that in that time, Yovel would, would also apply. 
יחו היו עליה ואין מורבין, שבט בנימין ביהודה ושבט יהודה בבנימין, יהיה יובל נוהג, תלמוד לומר לכל יושביה. No, the Torah tells us all its inhabitants בזמן שיושביה כתיקונן ולא בזמן שאין מעורבים. Here the Gemara says explicitly that the Yovel, the Jubilee year, only applies when all the tribes, not only all of Israel in Eretz Israel, but they have to be, each tribe has got their own Nachala and are sitting in their own part of Eretz Israel and they're not mixed up. Now, clearly today, even if we get Bezrat Hashem, there's going to be a massive influx of Jews from Nefesh Benefesh and from all the different places, and we're going to get to a majority of, of, of Jews. We saw all the tribes are mixed up. So what are we going to do about that? According to this Gemara, we're not going to have Yovel. Okay, we're not going to have Yovel. What's that going to do with Shemitah? So here we come to a famous machloket between Rebbe Yehuda Nasi, known as Rebbe, the author of the Mishnah, and Chachamim. And this is a famous Gemara in Gitin Lamed Vav, where basically Rebbe says that the two are connected. Meaning that if you cannot have the simple understanding of, of Rebbe, is that if you do not have Yodel, you do not have Shemitah on a Torah level. Whereas according to Chachamim, they're not connected. And the question is, who do we paskin like? If we paskin like Rebbe, even if we would paskin that all of the community, all of the Jews, the majority of the Jewish people are in Israel, but if they're not according to their tribes, it's not going to be Midoraita. This is the opinion of Rashi, Tosvot, and Rashba and the Tur. This was the opinion of many of the uh, achronim, including Rav Kook and others. And, uh, and, and, and this is basically the reason why we would say that Shemitah in today's time is only rabbinic. There's a third opinion, and I'll just read it, the uh, Sefer Atrumah. Gam haraivet katab, ki mipnei shera'ashe v'yarav b'ilchotav inyan prusbul v'asugiakula. The Ravid saw that the Rambam brought the whole story of Shemitah Tzafim. We'll do that before Rosh Hashanah Be'ezrat Hashem writing the Shemitah at the end of the year. It cancels out all loads. In order to, if you, don't, if you still want your money back, so Chachamim instituted something called the Prusbul. However, however, that is only true, right? That is, so, so the Rambam put that in. So says the Ravid, why did the Rambam put that in? The whole reason perhaps there are the Rambam put it there is not because it's a rabbinic din, but even that's just a zeich ba'alma for the righteous, pious people. And it appears to the raiver, dahani kulo midat chasidut hu ka'avde. The raiver has got an extreme opinion that the Shemitah Tzafim, and by extension, Lichora Shemitah itself, is not only just a rabbinic din, but it's just Midat Chasidot. It's not even a rabbinic din. So we have three major shitot. The first opinion is the opinion of the Rambam. The majority of Mepharshim explain the Rambam that Shemitah today is rabbinical, right? However, that it could become Doraita when the majority of Am Yisrael um, return to the land of Israel. 
right? And even then, it's a machlok. There are opinions that, according to the Rambam, even today, it's all right, and that is the shit of the case of Mishnah. However, the, ma the, the majority of Rishonim say no, even if the majority of Am Yisrael return to Eretz Yisrael, it's still going to be rabbinic. Why is that? Because we do not have the Yovel, because the Jews are not in their own uh, um, in their own um, lands, according to the Shvatim, and this is the opinion of many of the Achronim, as, as we as we saw. And uh, based on that, Shemitah today would only be Midrabban. Okay, so that is a very important uh, introduction in terms of the uh, the laws of of Shemitah Dorait or Shemitah Drabbanan. According to almost all the opinions today. We view Shemitah today as Shemitah is the Rabbanah. And that's going to be very important uh, in terms of how we relate to Heter Mechira, how we relate to all different um, issues that are going to come about uh, as we learn the laws of Shemitah. Okay, I want to go to, I'm going to skip to Sefet Shvit since uh, we're, we're way into, into the Shemitah year, so we'll, we'll, we'll skip the laws of of adding on to the Shemitah before us. And we'll, we will want to jump to page 43. Sorry, not page 43. We're going to skip that as well. We're going to go to the next shear, and that is what Melachot, again, assuming that Shemitah is Dorite or even the Rabbanan, what Melachot are actually prohibited? So here, Bear with me for a moment. Um, here we're going to go to um, we're going to go to the biblical prohibitions during the Shemitah year. The Rambam writes as follows: In Hilchot Shemitah ve'Yovel, Perek Aleph, Halacha Aleph, Mitzvat Asei Lishbot Me'Avodat Haaretz Va'Avodat Ha'Ilan Be'Shanashvit. There is a biblical commandment to restrain or refrain from agricultural work, right, regarding the trees, as it says, it also says, it says, regarding plowing and regarding harvesting, you shall rest. Whether working the land or the trees, Betel mitzvat asay has nullified a positive commandment of letting the land rest. and transgresses a negative commandment because the pasuk said, Your field you shall, you shall not sow, the and your vineyard you shall not prune. If you notice, the word becharish. Plowing is not mentioned in the negative commandments. That's going to be important when we try and work out what exactly are these surim. Uh, the negative commandments, the Torah says, Sadcha karmacha meaning it's prohibited to sow. So he's putting the seed in the actual ground as opposed to plowing, which is making the furrow beforehand. And also, Zmira is pruning, cutting, harvesting. Those are mentioned explicitly as negative um, prohibit, prohibitions. 
When the Torah talks about making the land rest, that's when it mentions plowing. So we'll see, there's going to be a bit of a discussion about that. Now, here's the Rambam. One only gets lashes for, from the Torah, when it comes to sowing, or al-hazmira, right? or on pruning. Harvesting and bitzira is picking. Picking is in, in Hebrew, it's quite amazing. Uh, different verbs are used to pick different fruit. So when it comes to wheat, we talk about harvesting, katsira. When it comes to uh, vineyards, we talk about bitzira, right? And when it comes to, to tree, um, uh, olives, there's another word. Can't remember uh, what it is exactly. Uh, we'll see it as the Rambam continues. But the Rambam tells us, don't think that the obligation or the Torah violation is only on a vineyard. It's any fruit tree that you pick. The fruit would be a Torah violation. And pruning is included in sowing because when a person prunes abroad, the idea of pruning is in order to act as a catalyst that the plant will grow further. So sowing and pruning are actually have the same objective to allow the plant to grow further. And picking is similar to harvesting. It's one and the same. Why does the Torah say it explicitly? Only regarding these two derivatives is a person liable from the Torah. But regarding other derivatives, regarding the land, or other Torah avot, main melachot that we know from Hilchot Shabbos, right, where there are many other types of uh, uh, melachot connected to the land. Um, where we talk about, for example, uh, the, the uh, harisha, for example, is a, 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 an av or tolda over there. When it comes to Hilchot Shemitah, says the Rambam, only these four are Torah violations. But we still give you rabbinic lashes, right? So these four are the, the critical prohibited actions. I'll just say them again. Zri'ah, sowing, zmirah, trimming or pruning. Zri'ah is harvesting grain. And zri'ah is picking fruit. Huh? Everything else seems to be only a... Um, uh, only um, uh, a Torah, or, or the Torah violations that you can get punished. Whether they might be, whether they might still be Asa without getting punished for it, that could be an interesting discussion, but we'll see as we'll see now. A person who uh, plows during Shemitah, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lazar, Samachloket between the Amoraim, Chadamar Loke, one says he gets lashes, Vachadamar Eno Loke. So now, what is this referring to? 
the majority of the Rishonim regarding lashes. However, they both agree it is Asur. Now, is it Asur from the Torah? There are opinions that say that it's even Asur from the Torah. Why? Because the Torah, Rashi, for example, says, Untashta, and you shall leave it fellow. Me'achila, right? Achar man biur, you're not allowed to eat after, after the, the plants are already no longer in the field. And you shall abandon it, that's from doing work on the land. Kagon, and says Rashi, Kharisha, plowing, right? So you see from here that according to Rashi, it sounds like even though you're not going to get lashes for a Midorite, it's still a Torah violation. And Rashi says, repeat this, Mishenichnas Tishrei, Asur Lachrosh Velizroa Minatora. So if we have any doubt what the opinion of Rashi is, Rashi says explicitly that harisha, plowing, is a Torah violation. Oswald also said, Umishum, uh, what's going, uh, Tosvald's getting into a whole thing, why were they allowing an Isodorite to pay taxes? It might have been, a, a, the, the people were getting trouble, they weren't paying taxes and therefore they needed to work the land. So you see from here that Toswat understood that Harisha, that plowing, was an Isodoraita. Even though one could argue that that proof against within Shita Toswat is, is, is less absolute. But uh, look at the Perush Rash Mishans. Shin, regarding those who plow, Apal Gav the Harisha, the even though their plowing is a Torah violation, and the Torah should have forbidden it, nevertheless, etc., for whatever reason, they were Michael, or whatever it is. It seems that this whole milieu of Rishonim understand that when the Gemara says that they don't get lashes, it doesn't mean that it's only rabbinical. It means that it was still a Torah violation. So, Harisha, which was mentioned in the Psukim, but it wasn't necessarily mentioned in the Psukim regarding the Torah violation. It was mentioned in a positive form. Nevertheless, majority of Rishonim understand that it is still a Torah violation to plow the land. Now, why is this going to be so important? Because I want to dig a road. I'm living in Eretz Israel, we want to dig a road. Now, that might be a problem of plowing, right? Now, depends. If plowing is an Isidurabonin, if it's only a rabbinic prohibition, and I have no intention of plowing, I'm trying to build a building, I'm trying to, uh, to uh, build uh, whatever it is. So what's the problem? It's a rabbinical prohibition, and I don't have intention for those people who are learning Dafyomi in Masechet Ktubot. We have found this, that when it's a rabbinical prohibition, and you don't have intention, there's no problem. However, if it's a Torah violation, not so simple. Not so simple. Even if your intention isn't, there might be prohibitions. Again, it's not a problem, but I'm just pointing out that one of the possible ramifications, which you think, okay, is it in the writer? Is it in the Rabbanan? I'm just giving you an example where theoretically one could have made a big argument regarding whether you're allowed to dig trenches to, 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 for buildings and for roads and, and all the other things that we need in Medina Israel in, in today's times, is it a problem or isn't it a problem? 
it might hinge on the fact whether we say plowing is Dorite or the Rabbana. Anyway, the bottom line is we say it's Mutar, but, uh, but I'm just pointing that out. Now, um, we will we'll just continue very briefly with the Rambam. The Rambam says over here, Meaning, all the other malachot that we know regarding Hilchot Shabbos, we know that there are 13 malachot in Sidur the Pat, uh, in how you make bread. And when how you make bread, so it starts from the, 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 the plowing and the sowing, etc., etc. There are 13 malachot, and, mo, and a lot of them are to do with the land. Says the Rambam, all of those, don't worry about them. Regarding Hilchot Shemitah, right? Nevertheless, on a Torah level, nevertheless, certain of them, Makinoto Makat Mardut. It is rabbinic, and therefore he does get lashed. For example, Ketra, Hachofer, one who digs a hole, or Hachoresh, Lutzorech Hakarka, one who plows not for planting, but for the sake of the land, right? Or Mezabel, or is removing stones. You're trying to clear the, the, the ground. Or if one is uh, grafting or all of these type of uh, uh, work with the trees. Or one plants a tree. Right? So it comes out the Minchat Chinuch points out. For Katavti the Bacharisha Beshvit, Einovrim Belot Ase, Rak Baase. Now, the Minchat Chinuch comes up with a very interesting din regarding plow. He says, you don't transgress a negative commandment, you transgress a positive commandment of the mitzvah of the Shavtah, which we saw when we read the Psukim. Because the, men, the, the Pasuk Harisha is actually mentioned regarding the positive commandment, not regarding the negative commandment. And that is the opinion of Minchat Chinuch. And that might be one of the opinions uh, how he understands the Rambam. However, the Mari Korokos explains the Rambam differently. The Shnei Minei Harishotein. He says, no, there are two types of plowing. A person who plows the land because he wants the ground to, he wants the trees to grow. Zohi harisha surah Torah. This is prohibited from the Torah. But it's for the sake of the land. What does that mean? Perush sheloyi pased vit kalkel hakarka. You worry that the ground is going to be washed away or for whatever. Uh, other uh, understanding of that is a nasuramina Torah. Here is not a problem from the Torah. ba'alma, and that's just like digging a hole. Sheinam asurot min haTorah. So here, according to the Mari Korakas, digging a trench because you want to lay a foundation for a building or for a bridge or whatever it is is not a Torah violation. It's only a rabbinic violation. And now comes the question, if it's a rabbinic violation, but you're doing it for the sake of building a, 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 a bridge or, or laying a road, would that be permitted? That's a discussion, Lichora, that would be permitted. And that is why the Rambam writes, What does he mean, 
one who plows for the sake of the land. There is plowing that is not for the sake of the land, which is prohibited from the Torah. And this din is regarding the, the special that when you plant a certain amount of saplings in a certain area, that that basically is going to be good for the saplings. That is going to be a Torah violation without getting into the details of that case. So let's just summarize over here with the Yalkut Yosef. He says as follows, How do we let the land rest? To not work the land or the tree, etc. And regarding all of these malachot that are prohibited, on a Torah level, they are, what are they? Zriah, sowing the land, Ketzira, harvesting, Zmira, pruning, Ubetzira, and picking. Vechachamim hosifu lesor netiyot ha'ilan. Chachamim prohibited planting trees. Vechain kol shar melachot ha'baot letovat ha'karka. And any other actions that improve the land. Vomnan, however, linyan shvit, haredat ha'rambam, that this planting is only prohibited rabbinically. That grafting is actually a Torah violation. And that's following the opinion of the Chazonish, that he held that opinion according to the Rambam, Netiyah is actually an Isur from the Torah. So to summarize, what have we seen in today's year? We have seen that regarding Shemitah in today's generation, it is a huge discussion amongst the Rishonim whether it is a Torah violation or not. According to the Kesef Mishnah, the Rambam seems to imply that it is a Torah violation. However, the majority of opinions explain the Rambam to say that no, it is dependent on the majority of the Jewish people living in Israel, and since the majority of the Jewish people are not living in Israel today, it's only rabbinical. Further than that, in the event that the majority of the Jewish people would be living in Eretz Israel, this is a machloket between Ravisa Zalman Malza and Rav Chaim of Brisk. According to Ravisa Zalman Malza, it would be a Torah, Shemitah would then be appropriate mina Torah on a Torah level, whereas according to Rav Chaim of Brisk, even if the majority of the Jews are living in Eretz Yisrael, but because we didn't all come together at once, it's still going to be rabbinic. This is all within the opinion of the Rambam. Within the majority opinion of Rashi and Tosvot and the Rashba and the Tur, even if the majority of the Jews were living in Eretz Yisrael, it would still be rabbinical. And that is because the laws of Shemitah, according to them, are connected to the laws of Yovel. And that is because they passed like Rabbi Yudah Nasi, which connected the two. And the laws of Yovel, as we saw in the Gemara in Erchin, is dependent not only on the majority of the Jews living in Eretz Israel, but they also have to be living according to their tribes in their designated areas. And until that happens, we will not have a Yovel. And therefore, as an, an extension of that, until that happens, we will not have Shemitah on a Torah level. 
Okay, so based on that, according to the majority of the Rishonim and Achronim, even within the Shita of the Rambam, today Shmita is only rabbinical. Why is that so important? For all types of things that we might have to rely on certain leniencies going forward. The second part of the Shia we discussed was assuming that something is, assuming that Shmita is Doraita. What does the Torah say is exactly prohibited when it comes to working the land? And we saw that there are four major malachot that one is prohibited from the Torah to do. That is sowing, that is pruning, right? That is harvesting grain and picking any fruit. Those are the four things that one is not allowed to do on a Torah level, right? In, in, in next week's year, we'll discuss what, what does that mean? If I've got a fruit tree, I've got an orange tree in my garden, they, they, they please God will be ripe in a few months' time. Am I not allowed to pick any of the oranges at all? How are we meant to eat it? The Torah says explicitly that you're allowed to eat the fruit. So what's going on over here? But for, for today's year, we're just going to focus on that lichora, picking fruit, is a Torah violation. We have to see, well, what does that mean? Because Clearly, we are allowed to pick fruit. So how are we going to get to that? So in order to understand that, you'll have to stay tuned for the share next week. Um, um, but we, and, and the final thing we discussed was when it comes to plowing, that seems to be a debate amongst the Rishonim and the Achronim, how to understand plowing. Is it an Isidoraita? Is it an Isidorabanan? And we saw different opinions regarding that. So wishing you all uh, having a great day. And uh, please, God, next week we'll continue with the uh, laws of Shemitah. Specifically, we'll focus on what one is allowed to do in one's garden. And regarding, if we have time, we'll go into Hetemachira. We'll start with Hetemachira, and then we'll see if we want to carry on. We want to uh, dedicate the third year to Yechot Shemitah, or we'll go back to volume 12, which Bezrat Hashem, by that time, will be ready for everyone. Okay, thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Roboy. Bye. Bye.